Welcome to the AI on Action podcast, the show where we break down the hype and highlight the practical benefits of data science, machine learning, and artificial intelligence on our everyday lives. Subscribe to the podcast, check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any Android podcast of choice. Today's guest is Wayne Butterfield. Wayne is Director of Intelligent Automation at ISG. Wayne has got to come up to his 10th year anniversary deploying RPA. In the podcast, we share insights in terms of how you make an RPA deployment successful, some of the pitfalls you need to be mindful for, where the future of RPA and intelligent automation is going. We also talk about ISG's involvement as being a sponsor of the RPA Intelligent Automation Award at the AI Awards that's happening in November 2019. Wayne, very welcome to the show. Great, Mark, thanks. So Wayne, tell us a little bit about automation, RPA, uh, cognitive services, there's a variety of different names for it. And maybe give us a little bit of an overview about your background in terms of people who haven't heard of ISG before. Tell us a little bit more about that. Great, so I think, from an automation perspective, um, I, I worked in industry at uh, O2 and BT for um, probably the first 13, 14 years of my career. And I worked in various different roles. And a, a lot of the work I did was, was trying to create operational efficiency, uh, whether it was outsourcing, whether it was moving uh, work from uh, voice into digital channels uh, in customer service, or whether it be about automation. Uh, using RPA, chatbots, etc. Um, so this notion of creating operational efficiency, I guess, has been around for uh, for a number of years. And RPA, uh, I would class as probably the, the current wave of organizations and, and, and technology where, which organizations can use to generate operational efficiency. Um, so RPA is not an overly complex technology. It's been around, uh, as I say, I've I deployed it in late 2010, the first time, um, but it was around a few years before that. Um, and, and that as a, as a concept, as a technology has evolved into what we're now calling uh, intelligent automation. You've got RPA doing the fetching and gathering and copying and pasting of data and you've got cognitive services, uh, things such as machine vision or OCR um, NLP, NLG, and other AI technologies um, working together in ecosystems to, um, I guess, automate processes that you wouldn't be able to automate using RPA on its own. Um, and you know, it's a really exciting time because although you know, RPA is a um, is a relative, relatively simple technology, as we've seen with the explosion in the market over the last kind of three or four years. It's, there's a use for it in just about every organization. Uh, and I guess similar to outsourcing before it, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a way that organizations are riding right now and using RPA to, to create these operational efficiencies. But I think the thing that's really exciting is how you can use RPA and other complementary technologies um, to, to, to automate processes, uh, more and more processes within, within your organization. And we're certainly seeing that at, at ISG. And just to give you a bit of um, info on ISG, so Information Services Group, um, it's a consulting firm, it's a research firm. Um, we help our clients in, uh, in anything from sourcing discussions all the way to digital transformation um, and obviously using technologies like, like RPA is a, is a, is a key 
um, part of our armory when, when we're looking at an organization and how we can help them be more efficient. Um, certainly my boss likes to uh, refer to us as the, um, the kind of the Fitbit of the, uh, the CIO. So we use data, we use technology, we use our expertise to help make an organization fitter than it's ever been before from an operational cost perspective. Um, and obviously AI and RPA are, are two sets of technology that are very much at the forefront of that right now. So Wayne, for people listening in and they want to kind of get some real life novice examples, tell us about how RPA can add real value to an organization or intelligence automation. Great. Let, let me tell you about the first process that I ever automated. Um, so uh, my background, so I, I was at O2 um, many, uh, many moons ago now. And the first process we automated was SIM swaps. Um, now, when, when Apple brought the iPhone out, um, every, every couple of years, they decided to make the SIM card a little bit smaller. Um, which is great, I'm sure, because you know the phones got better and better. But because these SIM cards kept getting smaller and smaller, every time you upgraded, you had to you had to get a new SIM card, um, and it took a manual uh, transaction was was kind of needed internally in order to swap your mobile number from your old SIM to your new SIM, uh, and that process could take anywhere between kind of six and uh, six hours and and three days, depending on the, the particular process that you've gone through. And so it's a very transactional process, high volume, and, and obviously was very important to our customers. It was only around six or seven individual steps that were needed, um, but um, it still, because you had this constraint of people, you could still have a backlog of thousands. And so um, using something like RPA, um, where you can run it 24-7, 365 days a year, and it doesn't make mistakes. That's a great example of where a really simple, high transactional volume process could be, um, uh, could, could be automated using, using RPA. So very simple, high volume, transactional. In this case, very important. Um, it was a, was a, was a was kind of the first major process that we'd automated using using RPA um, with with great uh, with great results. So somewhere in a region of around twenty heads were leveraged as a result of that process. But the most important thing was we took that turnaround time from anywhere from six hours to three days down to around about twenty two minutes. So not only did we remove the people from the process, which were the bottleneck, but actually we, we improved customer experience significantly from you know, anywhere up to three days all the way down to an average 22 minutes, which was absolutely fantastic at the time, would never have been possible using just people. I'm working through right now with a lot of my clients, I like to call it the third wave of RPA, um, so the first wave was um, all about cost saving. It was about you know getting this technology into your organization and saving cost. Then we started to see the second wave, which was actually, do you know what? There's, there's more to this technology than just automating um, and, and saving FTE. Actually, there's a, there's a customer experience benefit, there's potentially revenue uplifts, 
you know, we think there's a bit more to a business case than just people out. And that's the second wave. And then this third wave where we are at the moment is rethinking what we do as a result of having RPA as a capability within our organization. So I'm working with some really interesting organizations at the moment that are in either construction or manufacturing, you know, uh, organizations that historically would not have seen a great deal of use for RPA in, in how they previously worked. We're now helping them reimagine how they can work when they have robotic FTE in place. Um, and thinking about, uh, if you think about construction as an example, sensor data from crates, from employees, um, being used close to real time to update stock levels um, or, or place orders as a result, instead of having manual process, word of mouth, discussion, phone calls, which is what was historically happening in these organizations. You couldn't automate those processes. You couldn't automate a phone call from the site foreman to the office to say, we need a load of those bricks. Um, that's just not going to be automated. But if you start to think about other complementary technologies, and this is where the intelligent automation comes in, think about IoT and sensor data uh, and how you can then link this sensor data with your ordering system using RPA. And no longer does a site foreman even need to worry about ordering bricks because that sensor data on the crate tells, tells him when he's down to his last 30 bricks and, uh, and also automatically orders the next, uh, the next crate to come along. So rethinking the way an organization can run rather than just replicating what they do at the moment is what I'm classing as this third wave of, of RPA. Um, but that's only really enabled when you start to think about RPA and AI, IoT, and other complementary technologies together. So I think we're in a really, really interesting space right now. Well, what you've given me is so much food for thought there, where you started off with simplicity. And they, as you mentioned, these different ways is, is literally anything is possible when you look at the outcome you want to achieve. And you can just automate so many different processes. And then when you're mentioning sensors, IoT, the amalgamation, it's, it's just it's mind-blowing in terms of the amount of time you can save, the amount of upskilling you can do, and then the customer experience. Well, that's just so much better from those time savings point of view. And it's all about going digital, isn't it? And this is just trying to give that digital experience and just making that user experience for customers so much more enjoyable and interacting. And it can genuinely transform businesses. Absolutely. I and mean, there's a lot of my clients that would say that they're an analog business. You know, they're an analog business. And what they mean by that is they're very people heavy. But not only are the people heavy, but they are they're kind of conversation heavy as well. Or they're, you know, they're, they're face to face heavy. They are they are interaction heavy. Um, and, and I guess what that means is you can't auto, you would struggle really to automate an interaction right now. Yes, you can kind of do that with chatbots and virtual agents, but. If, if, if you were to go into an organization that's very interaction heavy and say, right, what can we automate? You would probably struggle. But if you, if you think about what is it that they're trying to achieve via those interactions and how could you do that differently, then absolutely that's the way to digitize um, the, the business that we're, that we're going in. So 
you know, turning an analog business, as, as one of my clients calls themselves, into a digital business um, you know, with RPA just as a, as a core foundation is, is definitely what we are starting to have at least conversations about. But I think you know, we're still a number of years off before we have some concrete examples of organizations that have transformed themselves as a result of this technology. Wayne, tell us about some of the challenges about getting started and some of the uh, potential pitfalls for companies going on this journey, because the outcomes that you mentioned, the ROI sound fantastic, but I'm sure it's not always straightforward. No, no, it's, it's definitely not, Mark. I mean, there are a number of core reasons why a process can be automated, um, certainly using RPA. Um, and, uh, and if those core reasons are not there, then there are, then, then it's unlikely that you will get a decent ROI on that particular process. So, um, I, I usually have about four or five kind of set rules. So the first one is the process has to have a structured digital, uh, input. So it has to start with a Excel spreadsheet that doesn't change. Uh, it has to start with a um, uh, an output from your CRM um, system that's structured and doesn't change. It has to start with an output from an OCR, an OCR engine uh, output, say a structured file. So you have to have a structured digital um, starting point, and, and what that means is that you know you have to know what and also where. The information is so when we say structured that's exactly what we mean we know that all the information we need is there and we know exactly whereabouts it is if you don't have structured digital inputs then you are going to struggle with using RPA now it doesn't mean that you can't but it means you're going to struggle the other one is um, you need to have a, a, pro, a defined process that's generally rules based so if then or else type rules so um, if um, the request is sent in on a Monday by this client, then do this, unless it was sent in on a Tuesday, in which case do that. That's the type of rule that RPA is very strong at following. And you may think, well, I complete a process, um, but you don't often think about the rules that you are following. There's very few processes that do not have rules. Now, some of them may be simple, some of them may be complex, but they generally all have rules. There needs to be a reason why you do something. Now, um, there is a lot of times we go into a client when they do things, but they don't necessarily know why, and they've never been documented. And there's a lot of tribal knowledge. So RPA cannot deal with tribal knowledge. It needs to know what to do. And therefore, we often struggle or can struggle when a client does not really know what they do or why they do it you know they've had this department that they do this process they've been doing it for 10 years they know how to do it fantastic but they couldn't necessarily provide you with any documentation uh, or explain why they do what they do with great clarity so again that's another reason why you may struggle with automation if you can't explain what you do then a robot is not going to be able to pick up and replicate that work. If you don't communicate with your employees in the right way, and especially those employees who are paramount and have the, have the right knowledge and skills 
to assist you in your automations if you don't communicate with them well and they decide to withhold that knowledge uh, not be particularly helpful then again another kind of challenge that an automation program can have is not having its brought its people on board it hasn't brought them on the journey uh, and unfortunately they're the people with the power in this instance because they they know the process inside out that you're trying to automate without them without full documentation you're really going to struggle thinking about the the rules so again uh, we, you know we mentioned structured digital input a process that has a, a set number of of rules and ordinarily, Mark, what, you, what you're looking for is you're looking for something with high repetition. So if you, uh, if you have a process that you only complete two or three times a month, the chances are you're not going to get a, a good return on investment on that particular process. Now, depending on how simple or complex it is, um, you, know, you, you may find that that's probably not a great candidate if all you are looking at is a, is a, is a headcount saving. However, going back to my earlier point before around uh, rethinking what you do, if you only run that process two or three times a month because you, at the moment you are inhibited by the number of man hours that you have in that particular department or team, suddenly you automate that process and you can run it every 15 minutes. Does that dramatically change the way that your business can run or your business can report, uh, your business can collect revenue, etc.? So. On the face of it, you're looking for high repetition because generally that's what RPA needs in order to give you a good return on investment. But flipping that on its head, figuring out why you don't um, complete a process more often can often give you hidden benefits that are far beyond those of just a pure pure headcount um, reduction. Wayne, I love the idea of just figuring out why you do things because that must just open up such a big can of worms within an organization where they're doing behavior. It's just institutionalized probably from in the past where there's probably no logic around it, but that's just, this is what we do, right? I am what I am, kind of like Popeye kind of scenario. So even just looking at that is probably just an incredible cathartic feeling for the organization just to define that. And then once you understand that, it's probably redefining why you're doing things. If people are probably work, uh, working out or asking themselves the question, uh, if then rules, if you think about when you're actually driving a car and you put in your, you put in your key, you put your, your foot on the clutch or the brake or accelerate for different steps and you, put your, uh, you check out the wing mirror, you're all doing these for certain reasons because when you do them, the car will start. So unless yeah. that's set up, it won't necessarily work well. And it's probably getting that foundation correct also. Absolutely. Uh, and interestingly, it's a good um, analogy, learning to drive. I often compare automation a little bit like learning to drive. You, you can become accredited in a lot of these technologies uh, in, in a week, uh, just like you can learn to drive a crash course. Um, you know, you can, you can learn to drive in a week. But on day eight, you've passed your test, you've got the paper, and then you're let loose in your car on the road for the first time. You may have passed the test, but I don't think you ever really know how to drive until you are weeks, months down the line. Um, and I think automation is very similar, where you can pass a test and become accredited very quickly, but actually becoming an expert in, in RPA, in intelligent automation, I feel it takes years of 
making mistakes, of having successes, of, I guess, absorbing information, of multiple conversations internally, externally, um, potentially you know, doing it more than once in different organizations. Um, I think that's only when you can really be classed as, as, as an expert in this type of field. Um, and that's, again, one of the pitfalls that you might have in, um, in you know, what could go wrong is if you don't have an experienced team kind of either supporting you or internally, then it is quite easy to pick the wrong process, to not automate it correctly, to not lay solid foundations with your infrastructure, to maybe not choose the right tool, uh, et cetera. So, Again, these, this whole notion to your point of driving um, is, is very, very similar to, uh, to, to, to automation, I would say. You can, you can get an accreditation in a week, but you don't really become an expert until you've been doing it for, for quite, a, quite a few months. It's, it's an uh, analogy that I use with my clients quite a lot um, because although technology, you know, RPA and intelligent automation is reasonably simple, um, actually, everything that surrounds it, the, um, the change management, the governance, uh, the racing models, the setting up of a center of excellence, the training, the, uh, the failing fast, you know, the delivery um, methodology, all of these things take, take a bit of a while to, um, to kind of um, to solidify within the organization and uh, and, and so that's, you know, that's a, another challenge that we see. It's funny, Wayne, we, we mentioned, you know, coming up to your 10th year anniversary, deploying RPA, you kind of start to get battle scars from where things go wrong and we don't have the racing models in place and you're not actually mindful of all the different stakeholders and also figuring out the problem you're actually trying to solve rather than going down that ain't it cool snare and that we know that they usually end up not so great uh, those situations uh, with it as well so re really good advice for people listening in terms of uh, getting on the bandwagon of trying these technologies out and, and introducing them. We'll just move on to the AI awards. ISG is, is, is probably sponsoring our automation, intelligent automation award this year. It's our first year doing the award as well. Where do you see the landscape coming in the UK and Ireland in, in the coming years? Yeah, well, it's, well, I guess for intelligent automation, so RPA and, and some of the complementary AI tech, the UK and Ireland have really been pioneers um, globally um, with you know uh, incumbents like like your blue prisms of this world uh, a, um, a, a you know British company that, that kind of really helped create this um, this RPA bandwagon that everyone's joined um, uh, more recently um, we've got some great clients um, who've made some really fantastic progress over the last kind of three or four years in uh, certainly in Ireland um, and uh, and also in the UK as well. Um, and I think you know we, we've uh, it's great to um, you know, to celebrate the the success and, and I think that's that's generally what the awards do. Sometimes you don't take enough time to pat yourselves on the back for a job well done. Uh, and I think you know something like the AI Awards are, are absolutely that opportunity to to really take a step back, look at what you've done, congratulate yourselves, and uh, see how you compare to to your peers in industry and, and externally, 
um, hopefully celebrate having a, having a great night at the actual awards. Um, and obviously for, for the lucky one, actually winning a, an accolade uh, is fantastic, both for, you know, for, the, for your career, um, but also just as, a, as, as an extra pat on the back from, um, from, from the uh, enterprise itself. So I think it's a great opportunity to celebrate all that is good with automation. Um, and I think uh, you know, certainly from an intelligent automation perspective, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the participants in this award are going to be those that are really pioneering. They've, they've gone beyond RPA. They're looking at what complementary technologies they can use alongside RPA to at least start that transformation that we spoke about earlier on. Um, and, you know, using uh, AI technologies alongside RPA um, is definitely the future and it'd be really interesting to see who's doing that now because I think there's a there's a lot to learn from from the participants um, so you know even for those that are um, you know that, that don't win just being involved hearing what everybody else is doing I think is going to be a great learning and uh, you know the, the the joy of being a pioneer and um, and also one of the challenges is that you know, you're probably going to make quite a few mistakes along the way because you haven't got people like like me and others who've been there and made the mistakes for you. Um, so I think it's always a good a good time just to um, just to get a few extra pats on the back from you know from those that are external to your organisation to say you know come on keep going this is what we've done this is what we were thinking uh, and I think an award uh, is is definitely a great place for that to happen. I've been speaking to Wayne Butterfield. Wayne is a director of Intelligent Automation ISG, and we were discussing in detail how going on your journey and starting automation and RPA and how you actually forget that some of the pitfalls can be very easily fallen into. And Wayne was sharing some of his experience and advice uh, as he's coming up to his 10th anniversary deploying RPA. Wayne Butterfield, director of Intelligent Automation ISG, thank you so much for your time today. Mark, pleasure was all mine. Thank you very much for having me, and I look forward to seeing you and the rest of the participants at the awards. Now in its second year, AI Ireland, in collaboration with principal sponsor Microsoft, present the AI Awards. Come join us at the Gibson Hotel on the 20th of November 2019 and see the best that Ireland has to offer in AI and data science. To find out more, head over to www.aiawards.ie slash tickets. That's www.aiawards.ie slash tickets. Please feel free to reach out to me at mark at AIawards.ie.